Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. Johnny Carson once interviewed Betty Davis and asked if she had any advice for young starlets wanting to get ahead in Hollywood. She suggested take Fountain. Fountain Avenue runs parallel to Santa Monica and Sunset Boulevards in Hollywood and is often used to avoid the heavier traffic. And isn't that what we're all after? A smooth run, no holdups, not only in traffic, but also in life. How do people handle those holdups, the rejections? How do they create a life in the entertainment capital of the world? How do they identify and express their uniqueness in a place where hundreds of thousands are hoping to do the same? Welcome to Take Fountain. Compelling stories from passionate people who've made it, are making it, in Hollywood. Writers, comedians, actors, filmmakers. I'll talk to anyone with a story to tell. Welcome to Take Fountain, a podcast of passionate people working on their dreams. Compelling stories from Hollywood. Your host, Ella James. My guest is Leanne Linsky, comedian, actor, improv, has been compared to the next Tina Fey, the next Rita Rudner, and uh, I met her and I thought exactly the same thing. Welcome, Leanne Linsky. Thank you. Thanks Thanks so much for coming. You're in LA now, Mm -hmm. but you were in New York, so tell me, where do you come from? Where did this all start? Actually, I was born and raised in Waukegan, Illinois, which is about 40 miles north of Chicago. And Waukegan is actually where Jack Benny is from. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went to Jack Benny Junior High. (gasps) Yes, we were the 39ers. Um, And then I moved to Las Vegas, and I was in Vegas uh, for 16 years. Yeah. And then I ended up in New York for nine, and then I ended up out here. Were you one of those people who knew when they were a little person that this is what you wanted to do? Absolutely not. Right. I actually wanted to be the president of the United States. Go girl. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then my mom, I told my mom that she's like, really? She goes, you realize everybody's going to know what you do all the time, like when you're in the bathroom, when you're not, when you're sleeping. And then she was like, and you have to, be, and she kind of talked me out of it. Right. And um, I was like, all right, so maybe I'll be a mom. That was the alternative. (laughs) You're either the president of the United States of America or you're a mom. And I think both are equally as important. Absolutely. And and both have a huge impact on the, the future of our country. However, neither of those options worked out. Okay. So, yeah, so here I am. Did you do drama and theater at school? No, I thought those people were weird. All right. And now I realize I'm one of them. (laughs) And I'm weird, too. Yeah, but in high school, I had no part of it. I was into sport, you know, other sports and things like that. Leanne is a comedian. I was with somebody the other day who went to great lengths to tell me why there is no way they could ever do stand-up because it's so terrifying. And 
I was asking them about all the things in their lives that they do that are terrifying. And, um, and they were giving me quite a list. And I said, well, it's no more terrifying than any of those things. Have you heard that as well? Yeah, I, I've heard people, yes. I've heard people think of this as just absolutely like, oh my God, I could never do it. And I'm like, I could probably never do accounting if I had to. You know, right. I mean, I have, and that's horrifying. If I'd you be terrified me, to turn right? up to the same place every day for 12 yeah. hours, right? And, um, and so I, I think it's less terrifying than that. In fact, I think it's one of the, and I don't want to say it's easy, because it's not. Yeah. But I think compared to other things in my life, I find it easier right. to work with stand-up than it is in just other parts of life in general. Yeah. You know, less terrifying. Relationships are more terrifying <laughs> than getting up on stage. Absolutely. Now, tell me about your first performance. After my second divorce, that's when um, people came to me and said, you should really consider doing comedy and performing. And I was like, get out of here, you know? But what was happening is, is going through really traumatic times in my life is I was coping with humor. And, and it was a healthy coping mechanism for me, and especially when going into work and having people ask questions. And it, I found ways to make it less awkward for both myself and for them right. by making jokes out of the situation and, um, and staying positive. Because I remember after my second divorce, it was devastating. I was laying on my bedroom floor crying. And, um, and I stopped and I was like, what am I doing? This is an opportunity. I, I, number one, I don't want to be an old woman with cats and lonely, you know. Like, uh, that's the alternative. Right. That, Let me tell you. Right. That's not the alternative. <laughs> go on. <laughs> At the time, I thought it was. And yeah. I thought, well, that, that's not what I want to be. And I, and I swore to myself that day, I'm like, I do not want to be bitter about these experiences. Mm. I don't want to come out of this a bitter and hateful person. I want to come out a better person. And I want to have learned lessons. And I want to take this as an opportunity to do all the things I never did. And I started traveling, and I backpacked in Europe, and, and I just started, if people said something to me, or suggested, I'd be like, yes, and. So I was already learning the basics of improv right. by expanding my horizons. How old were you at this stage? I was uh, 30. Well, yeah, when I went through my second divorce, I was 29. Wow. And so you just got that all out of the way. And I got it all the way in my 20s. <laughs> was you, did you have a career? Um, I worked for... I, yeah, I worked for a home builder for nearly 13 years, mm -hmm. and I loved it. It was a wonderful job. And, and I had said to my friends after I started taking improv classes and things like that, and by the encouragement of city presidents that I worked for, um, my friends always said, how come you don't just pick up and move to New York? Why don't you do this? And I said, I would if I didn't have a job I loved and this beautiful home. Mm. Guess what? They laid me off. I didn't have this job, and guess what? This home, I can rent. And so I had a friend call me, uh, one of the guys I took uh, classes with at UCB in New York, because I had taken a couple intensives where I'd go stay in New York for a couple weeks and do that. And he said to me, uh, he called one day, he goes, so what are you gonna do? I go, I don't know. He goes, well, if I, as I recall, you always said if you didn't have that job, you would move. Mm -hmm. I go, well, I have this house. He goes, yeah, so. And he goes, I'm moving to New York this summer and I need a roommate, are you in? And I said, well, let me think about it. He goes, no, I need to know like today. And I said, well, I really need to think about it. And he goes, you have one hour. And so I called him back in an hour. I said, yeah, I guess I'm in. <gasps> and a month later, I packed up my stuff in two suitcases and moved to New York. Wow. Mm -hmm. What was that experience like? Because the town that you'd come from was not anything like New York, I'm thinking. Oh, God, no. Um, 
No, not at all. And I don't even think Chicago is like New York. I think Chicago is a very different city in itself. Um, and Vegas, of course, is like an entire different planet. But yeah, I was excited. I'd been to New York, you know, to study and take a couple classes here and there. And um, I didn't really know anybody. I kind of knew one person or maybe a friend, you know, that and that I could stay with temporarily or something. But now I had an apartment because he told me, oh, I, I found a place and, you know, this is when we can right. move in. And yeah. Is he still a close friend? We're not as close um, anymore. He's married and has a baby, and but he does well, and we keep in touch via yeah. Facebook and stuff like that. So That's over. So when did that? When was that? How many years ago was that? Ten. Okay. Yeah. So the reason I ask that question is, I think the big things in our lives are frequently about nothing that we have done, mm -hmm. but they are about the people that we meet. Absolutely. And they come into our lives and they shake us up and they move us around and, and thank God for them, right? Uh, because otherwise we'd still be doing the same old, same old thing. So you get up on stage uh, as, uh, to do improv. That's your first thing? Mm -hmm. okay. That was my first thing. And that's UCB, New and, York? Yeah. Well, I started studying improv actually at, at Second City in Las in Vegas. Right. Oh, okay. Because they were in Vegas at the time doing a main stage show at the Flamingo Hilton. And um, I, I studied there. I took their, all of their classes and took many of them two and three times. And um, I just loved it because after my first class, I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And then um, one of my instructors who happened to be Kay Cannon, who is um, now writing Girl Boss, but she wrote Pitch Perfect 1, Pitch Perfect 2. She produced and wrote for 30 Rock and those things. Before then, she was on the Second City main stage and teaching. And, you know, I said to her, I, I really love doing this. And she said, well, you know, if you really want to test how much you love doing this, go take an intensive at UCB or an intensive at IO Chicago and, you know, spend five weeks there. And if you love do, still love it after doing it every single day for, you know, eight hours a day, then this is for you. I was like, oh, I have to do that. And um, so I said to my job at the time, because I was working for this builder, I said, I want to take five weeks and go study. And they're like, yeah, we can't let you go for five weeks. Are you out of your mind? But I could do two weeks and I could go to New York. And so I did. And I loved it. Well, it's funny because when I ended up getting laid off, you know, and this is two years before the market crashed. Right. And um, I was one of the one of the first people to start, we start seeing the change in building and everything. And I, I got laid off. And it was weird because I didn't know what to do with myself every day and, you know, and everything. And so I had, like, they had given me about five months' notice. And I was thinking about all the things I wanted to do. And, well, anyway, fast forward, at the end of that time, when it was time for me to leave, they gave me a huge going-away party. And they bought me an iPod. And they bought me round-trip tickets to Chicago and paid for my class at my five-week intensive that I had been wanting to take for years. And when I ended up leaving Vegas, I went to New York and I... Um, took a couple of classes at, at UC, I took a class at UCB and I took a class at Magnet Theater and um, and then I packed up my stuff and went back to sh Chicago mm. and I spent five weeks doing Iowa Chicago intensive level one through five mm -hmm. and then I went back to New York. There's a lot of emphasis nowadays in life on you've got to have a plan, you've got to have a dream <laughs> um, and I'm very good at making the lists mm -hmm. and moving forward to something, but I've often never known what the heck it is I'm supposed to be doing. Have you had a clear idea? Do you have a dream? Um, well, I would love to 
get a, a role on TV. I mean, mm -hmm. that who that would be the ultimate. That'd be amazing, or in a film. Um, I would love that. Um, but it's interesting because I'm a huge list maker and set my goals. And you know, I was living in New York. I had these big. Po my friends would laugh at me if they came over, so I very rarely had friends over because <laughs> I didn't want them to see I was crazy. I had poster boards and I'd write my goals on them, and then I'd have timelines of when I want to have certain things accomplished. And um, you know, and it certainly helped because I wrote a one-woman show, and it helped me set my deadlines and get things done and motivated me and things like that. And so I, I did these things and, and I am a to-do person, but it, what I find so fascinating is for all of my planning, that's not always the way life works out. Because if you had asked me, you know, 11 years ago, would I be living in New York? I was like, I would love to live in New York, but that's probably not gonna happen. And if you had ever asked me in my whole life, would I be living out here in, in California? I'd be like, yeah, no, it just wasn't of interest to me. But then yet here I am. And it's because of the people we meet and the, they influence us or, you know, something happens and our life just gets lifey and it changes. Mm -hmm. And um, it's those things that kind of aren't in our control. Yeah. Because, you know, we evolve and we meet people and different things, you know. I kind of feel like is, um, you know, the, the more I open my eyes for different opportunities and things, the more things I see but they're not always the things I thought I would see. Mm. And so I think sometimes, you know, uh, it's, it's not about the destination, because I think sometimes we start out with a destination in mind, and if we just focus on that, we miss all of these other stops yeah, along the yeah, way. Yeah. But I, I find that my life takes a lot of different turns. and Life is not a fridge magnet. No. <laughs> no. And, and Interesting so, font on vacation snap you know, posted yeah. on Facebook, it, it, it's not it. <laughs> no, and I never thought I would be doing stand-up, which is the funny thing, because, you know, here I started out in improv, and I've been improvising for many years now, probably 13, and and so I've been doing improv, and I love improv, and, and yet in the past two years I haven't hardly done hardly any, because mm -hmm. now I'm doing stand-up. And when I started out in improv, in all of those years, I was like, I don't want to do stand-up. Like, I was like, nah, I'm just not having it. And the funny thing is, is I started running an open mic in New York, but my open mic was for sketch comedy. Mm -hmm. So it was called Casual Sketch. And people would come in, and they'd write sketches, and they'd do their thing, and it was like a once-a-month thing for a while. And then it kind of evolved because people weren't writing as actively or they couldn't cast it and get enough people to come and just do a, a one-up sketch at some open mic. So they started doing character monologues and things like that. And then it kind of evolved into storytelling. And people were like, I'm going to try my hand at the storytelling thing. And they'd come and they'd try. And it was always a warm and inviting crowd, you know, like... It, every, we all felt real comfortable with each other and you know even if you were doing something different or you're trying something for the first time you knew you had a supportive group of artists sitting there watching you right so it wasn't so scary and then after a year or two um i had some stand-ups go hey i heard you had an open mic here i'm like well yeah it's a lot of sketch comedy and storytelling but sure and so pretty soon they came and they were like wow this is really cool because you know, we're now meeting all these other people we wouldn't normally meet at open mics, and it's not like a normal open mic because people aren't just sitting in the shadows of the room, you know, looking at their notebooks, looking at their notebooks, <laughs> wondering what their performance right? is going to be like, and then yeah. ignoring everybody else and and stuff. It was much more than that, and it was lively, and there were in, there was interaction, and people stayed and they talked afterward and kind of collaborated on other projects and got to know each other. And then after a while, you know. Um, 
I moved the the mic to uh, a, what I call like more like a, a rapey type basement of a of a bar on the you know east in the East Village, and then you know then it started getting where it was all comics, and occasionally I'd have some sketch people still reach out to me once in a while, and then I started getting magicians going, hey, can we try stuff here? I go, as long as it's funny, has to be comedy, and they would do some stuff, and that got weird, and. Um, and then it just basically just involved in the stand-up thing. And, you know, I was still doing theater and I was still doing uh, regular shows as an improviser. And um, I started writing and performing my one-woman show, but I always had this mic. So now this brings us to an interesting point because one of the hardest things for performers is that, you know, we don't, and with due respect to people who do work in banks, I'm about to use a <laughs> bank worker analogy. but. You know, we don't get up in the morning and go somewhere and stay there for 8, 9, 10, 12 hours and then go home. We might, you've just mentioned, through the course of any one week, you are, you are booking an open mic, uh, you are performing improv, you're performing stand-up, you're producing your one-woman show. How do you go about doing all of those things without missing anything? And do you ever feel like you're missing you know something you've got to keep a handle on it wow that's a great question because i feel like i'm always i feel like there's never enough time in a day to do all the things i want to do mm. and um in fact i've just recently had these conversations <laughs> this past couple of weeks about oh my gosh I, i'm you know i look at my goal boards that i still have and i'm like i'm kind of all over the place i need to really narrow my focus a bit and focus on the things that really I can really work on my craft, you know, um, and and focus on, like, look at my end goal. Like, okay, if I want to have a great role on TV or, or like, what's going to get me out there in a different way? Because everybody, we all have our own path. And what's working for me and what's not? And what I, what's interesting is, um, and it comes back to stand-up. Stand-up hadn't been one of my ultimate things. In fact, I hadn't had any interest in it. But stand-up is where I started booking a ton of shows. And stand-up is where, you know, I get press or my one-woman show and those things and so it's like how can I make time for me to write because right now I'm spending all this time producing a show and I'm you know doing this and I'm doing that and I kind of have to let go of some of those things right now and what's hard I think for me is letting go of anything because like well, what if that's like the next great thing but it's still going to be there. It's it's kind of like writing. It's like, well, that joke didn't work. So I'm going to set this joke aside right now, and I'm going to come back to it because maybe I can make it work another way. But right now, it's just not hitting in my set, so I'm going to set it aside. And I kind of have to look at my projects like that. You know, kill one of my darlings. You know, set it aside for right now. I can come back to it, but maybe I really need to focus up on some of my other projects. So you're a writer? Mm -hmm. Do you have any education as a writer, or do you write like a human being? I write as a human being, and the education I have received are through uh, UCB writing classes, uh, magnet theater writing classes, uh, you know, Second City writing classes. So comedy writing, you know, I've taken, you know, many a class on that. And you write your own content? And I write my own content. I write my own jokes. I wrote my own one-woman show, which was 55 minutes. Um, and right now, I, you know, one of the things that have been sitting on me for a long time is um, after writing my one woman show, I wanted to write something again right away. And it didn't happen. Um, suddenly I was just blocked, completely yeah. blocked. 
and um, and I just and, and everything else got in the way. And I find that every time I go to write, it's like, oh, is my house clean? Oh, is this you know in order? Oh, the do huge I have a distractions? Yeah, it's it's, it's procrastinate huge procrastination and yep. resistance to sitting down and doing something I love. Well, the, the other thing is, don't you find, you know, it was your two divorces that got you into this. Yeah. You can't just go out and meet someone and divorce them again to get more material. <laughs> no, but I've had enough. You thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> the only difference now is I didn't marry him. <laughs> so I've had some situations, and especially this past year, this past year has been really tough for me. And as I'm coming out of it and kind of getting settled out here and getting back on my feet, it's like, ah, oh, I think I think I have some some new material coming up that I, I really need to write about, and that I want to write about. And um, you know, tragedy plus time equals comedy. I mean, we've heard that a million times, but gosh, how true is it? When you have those moments or that moment where you thought, okay, I've done this now, I can't do this anymore, this is too hard, I need to do something else. What turns you around? What gets you through? Hmm. Um, you know, oh, wow. That... Because I, I, the, the, the thing is with me is what, when those thoughts have come to my mind is I can't imagine what else I would do with myself. You know, like... I think what's... And, it's, and the other thing is, is when I think about those things, it's... It's not that these things, not writing, yeah, writing's hard and, and comedy is hard. Like, we put a lot of work and love into it. What I find hard about doing them is juggling the rest of a normal life. Because we don't have a normal life. What, I was going to say, could you please tell me about that? No, I don't know what that but, is. But somehow we're supposed to, at the same time, manage a full-time and a part-time job to pay our bills. We're supposed to have relationships and go to the gym and, you know, do all these social activities. Let and me just make a note of those. Right. Have relationship. Right. And what was the second one? Oh, go to gym. gym. Yes, I'm not doing either of those. I'm sorry, I'm far too busy. <laughs> but you know, like you, like, you look at it, like, we're raised in, a, in an environment where that's what people do, you know? you. You, that you go to a job every day, you come home, you have dinner, you're dating or you're in a relationship or you have kids and a family and you have a home and, you know, you go to brunch on Sundays. I don't know. But that's what I see other people doing. And then here's me and I have, like, projects and these crazy poster boards on my wall saying all the things I want to create and do and be a part of. On top of, you know, and so, I mean, I have to have some jobs to pay bills and, and do that because, you know, my creative side, it is a process and it fluctuates and it changes and it, and it is never the same. And so if I think of giving those things up and doing just these things, I'm like, well, then what's the point? What? Like, I can't imagine because, I mean, I could go home and just watch other people's stuff on TV. Yeah. Like, that just... Like, as awesome as that is for other people and friends that I have on, you know, shows and, and are doing great and successful things, I couldn't just sit on my couch and not do the same, you know, pursue to do those same things. And so I think of, well, how would my life be without those things? And that just, that just changes but everything right then and there. Don't you find the human conundrum is that we always look at other people's lives? 
and think that they are normal or average or they're doing it right or mm-hmm. or so, I mean that and they are doing the same about other people right right and they're looking at you know and I'll, let's say let's say we call those the normal people let's say the normal people I know, are, right? and, look, and and they're looking at us going how come I'm not doing anything with my right. life your life is so exciting right right I'm having and, coffee with someone today he said I can't wait to hear about everything you're doing yeah and I'm like I woke up this morning and I thought oh god I'm still alive <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, there's like, it's okay. It's, you know, I have all these things I have to do. And then I'll be happy if I get three of these things done today. Yeah, it's weird because people who I consider normal, they're like, wow, you're doing all these really cool things. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm killing myself over here. We're going to have to give them different colored t-shirts for you, I'm afraid, so that we can (laughs) just identify the normal from the the abnormal. You know, and there's that awful, you know, that expression, um, there's a story inside everybody and inside most of them, that's where it should stay. Yeah. Right? Or is that just an Australian judgy thing that I came up with all by myself? I haven't heard that, but I kind of like it. Right. <laughs> you can use that. Yeah. That's good. I like that. What's the best thing that's happened to you? Can you think of one? Wow. Um, I've met some really, really awesome people. I think there isn't like one thing that really stands out to me there's a few things where I think I've surprised myself mm-hmm. because you know 10 years ago I moved to New York City and I was like I'm just gonna come out here you know I didn't have a plan I showed up with two suitcases and um, and I didn't even know like I lived with these four guys I only knew one kind of through my improv classes <laughs> you know I sleeping on the floor I didn't I didn't have a plan other than I'm living the dream and um, <laughs> yeah, we love that one. Yeah, I get that all the time. You're yeah. living the you dream. dream. I'm yeah, like, yeah, I don't I'm know what you're dreaming, fine. but you know, Would you I'm like sleep- to see my bank balance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is a it's great- not the American dream, that's for sure. No, I, no, it's not. Oh my god. Has there been an experience that you're prepared to share with us that was so, so awful oh. that it really made you think, what am I doing? Um, when I moved here. This was the first time I ever really, um, really questioned the direction my life was going, was after I moved here. Um, I was, I moved here for all the wrong reasons. I didn't move here for me. I didn't move here for my career. I moved here for another person. And um, this guy had convinced me like this was a great thing to do and lots of empty promises. And within seven weeks of me arriving, that all fell apart. (gasps) And, um, you know, okay, I've been through two divorces. I've had a lot of other things happen in lifetime, you know, so that shouldn't be the worst thing. But what I realized is how did I get here? How, how was it that, you know, like we say, people come into our lives for a reason. How is it that this particular person came into my life and then all of a sudden it flipped upside down? Like I had never had any intention of moving to L.A. I'd never thought about my life was great I loved living in New York I was doing really fun things I was excited I was traveling to different states and doing stand-up I was booking all these shows I was having a lot of fun in fact I remember one day walking to work and I wasn't even dating anyone at the time when I got to work and I was sharing with a coworker. I'm like I don't know what it is but I am like so on top of the world today I go do you ever feel like you know when you're in a relationship and you ha- you're in love and you feel real giddy you know or you know you're just in a really good place I felt like that mm-hmm. and it was just me I was just loving my life. Yeah. 
And then, you know, and then, you know, someone comes into my life unexpectedly and things change. And I started reconsidering where I was. And I was like, wow, this, this sounds like a great, like I could have everything. I can have like a normie life and my creative life if I move 3000 miles. And I moved 3000 miles and then it didn't work out. And what I realized is my support system was completely gone. You know, I'm out here by myself and, um, you know, and again, the universe puts people into your life to show you you're on the right path. And, you know, I ended up taking acting classes at Crater Studios, which was Jen Crater is phenomenal. And I adore her and, and I've learned so much, and, you know, so after this thing happened, I'm like, I have to somehow get myself back in the game. You know, I've only been out here seven weeks, but you know, in an actor's life, I feel like that's seven years. I'm like, yeah. what am I doing? And um, and I didn't want to turn around. People are like, why don't you come back to New York? And I'm like, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, I mean, I do love New York, but isn't there a reason I'm here? Isn't there something else for me to explore? And I mm -hmm. don't want to give up on something until I've really given my all to see what's here why is it what why is it that I ended up here and so um I got involved in in Crater Studios and met some wonderful super talented people doing one great things and um I decided you know walking to the gym one day I passed so see I, I found time to go to the gym um <laughs> I, <laughs> Jake. Right? Yeah. um I was walking to the gym and I was packing, passing this bookstore that I passed every single day and I look and I was like oh my gosh um an open mic caught my eye but it was for poetry and I'm like wait a minute if they have an open mic for poetry why wouldn't they have an open mic for comedy I could bring casual sketch here and so I ended up reaching out and saying, you know, so I was finding things that were my comfort level. Like, they just bring them Were you here. doing that thing that we tend to do, which is, how could I have been so stupid? Yes. Why have I done this again? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? it that is so human. You know, mm -hmm. and and also, did you have friends who were more than willing to tell you mm -hmm. that they saw this coming? Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And I no longer <laughs> have some of those friends as right. a result. And um, but and the and, and what's interesting is the friends that I made here in this short time I've been here are. So I, I see them being my friends for a very long time. You know, they're mm. forever friends. Some mm -hmm. of the friends I've made here, and I've. And it's been rough because this move here, it just isn't, wasn't about like one person. It was about m me and like everything that I'm doing because it's kind of like clearing, taking an inventory and clearing all of these things out. And, um, it, and you know, for a while I was like, oh my God, I walked away from everything I worked so hard for. And, and the past looks pretty, pretty fabulous, fat. yes. right? You know, it's very easy to look back and say why, even if you, even if you did appreciate it, like you said, you had that moment where you were giddy yeah. and you were so happy. So you recognised it at the time, right? Mm -hmm. But even then, when something bad happens, we, we look back and we go, oh, why didn't I right. recognise that? Why didn't I see? And is this it? Was that it? And I've gone past it? Exactly. Oh, right? all of those things. Yeah. Absolutely. For the first time in my life, I was facing all of those statements, all of those questions, like right smack in my face. Yeah. And I had never asked all these questions. Even going through divorces, it wasn't like, oh, why me? You know, it was like, 
well, that was horrible. Thank God I'm out, you know, where, or, or wow, that, you know, lesson learned. But this, this was a move. This was my career. This was everything. And, and I asked all of those questions for a really long time. And it came to a point where I almost had no interest in doing anything, you know, for a, a short while where it was just like, who, and, and I was like, oh my God, I've never felt this way about my life before, ever in my life. And it's like, why this? Why now? And um, it's, it's taking, all, and even now, you know, I, now I'm starting to feel great and I'm getting back into things and I'm doing stand-up and I've been producing this show and Living in L.A., Living drinking in a, yeah. kale, going to the right. gym, right? I mean, I'm going to the gym. And, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, and things turned around. I mean, that was over a year ago now. And I've had all of this time. And I met great people. And um, and it's kind of like when one door shuts, you know, oh. all these other doors open. And it's like stop looking backward and start looking forward. And, um, and that's kind of where I'm at is it's like, okay, so now I have all these goals. And, and I have to realize that some of these goals, maybe that they no longer fit me. You know, yeah. some things, they just no longer suit me right now. And, and just because I want to do all these things doesn't mean I have to do them all at the same time. Yeah. And so one of the things, when I first, before I left New York, I, over a year ago, before all this, this whole move, movement, movement started for me, is I wanted to start a business um, where I could teach comedy to divorcees. I took the two things I know best, which is getting divorced and, and funny, and combine the two because divorce is hilarious. Well, you're in the right town. Right? Yes. Divorce, the divorce, New York has one of the lowest all time divorce rates. Well, nobody can afford to divorce because they can't find an apartment. Exactly. Why would you? You're yeah. crazy. Um, polygamy should be a, a thing there. Well, it is. Polyamory is, so, yeah, the, is the big, yeah. it's like it's bigger than kale is here. Yes. Right? And so, um, and that's just all we can afford a place to live. And so I'm like, wow, this is a better place to start that business. But I really wanted to put that together and, you know, not teach comedy necessarily to actors. But I want to teach comedy to women who really need it and to mm. give them a healthy outlet like it gave me. I love that. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful thing. I was thinking while you were talking, you know, um, one of the things that's occurred to, to me here, because I've, I've done the same thing, and the miles, you know, it, it doesn't matter that I'm from Australia and you're from New York, you know, you lose your support system, yes. um, you, you, you're far away, everything is new, everything is different. Uh, you have to admit that you've got no idea what you're doing, but also underpinning all of that is this little voice in your head that says, but I'm supposed to be an adult. <laughs> yeah. Right? I'm supposed to know this shit. Yeah. I've done this before. Mm. And, and the other thing, I'm supposed to get better at it each time. And yet... Here we are. Here we are. Um, when you wake up in the morning on those days and, and you think, mm, don't want to adult today, <laughs> do you have those days? Oh, most every day. Like, okay. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to do all that. You know, that yeah. little whiny voice? Mm, yeah. Mm. But, um. How do you, what, what's your trick? Um, what I, actually what I do is I get up really early, which is insane. I get up about 5.15, 5.30, and I go to the gym. Okay. And. She said it again. I know. Can I just say. I say that. Say, I think. And, I'm going to start doing L.A. bingo, <laughs> and there are certain words, uh, kale, uh, gym. gym. You haven't said namaste, but there no, I just I said it. 
No, yoga. I don't do yoga. <laughs> I don't do it. I don't do it. I've tried it. It's way too calm for me. And I, you know, living in New York for so many years, I have way, way too much angst built up in me to do yoga. Yeah. Like, I do... If they, if they burst do, that dam, it may flood the town, right? I like, I like Wednesdays because that's a boxing class day. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, those days you want to just punch someone in the throat. I yeah. take it all out on Wednesday. I need high energy. I need things like that to get all of that out because just being in California, people walk... Okay, y'all walk way too slow. Right. Like, it's just like... Pick it up here, people. I was well, in the grocery store. I can't store. believe you've seen people who walk. I know. <laughs> I, right, very rare. You never see people in California walking and eating at the same time. No. New York, everybody, we're all shoving food in our face, bagels, pizza, you name it. Yeah. It's there out on the street here, nobody. Two things. Firstly, if you were to give your 20-year-old self any advice, what would it be? Start sooner. Yeah. Wow. So now you're thinking in terms of what you should be doing when you're 42 and you should start them today. Um, and the other thing is, what advice would you give to any man or woman who has this little inkling inside them that they maybe should do this, no matter what their age or where they're from? Jump. What, what advice? Jump. Jump. <laughs> Jump, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. Just do it. Because... You know, it's kind of like, when's the right time to get pregnant? There's never a good time to be pregnant. You know, you ask any woman, there's never a good time. But it works out. And it ends up being the love of your life. And I look at, I look at comedy and acting, I look at it the same, that that's my baby. Mm. And maybe there was never the perfect time to have it and to pursue it. And you're never going to have the right amount of money. And things are never going to line up and be like, oh, this is your time. You know, you just got to, you just have to do it if that's what you want. And That's wonderful. I wish you all the best. Thank you. I was so glad when I met you. And I'm so glad to have you on Take Fountain. Leanne thank Linsky, you. thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. You've been listening to Take Fountain with Ella James. For more, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast at Audio Boom, Stitcher, iTunes, or your favourite podcasting app. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. From Audio Boom comes Covert. A new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies, soldiers, and top-secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell, and together we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify, or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows.